Welcome to Tales of Moxie. I'm Desiree. And I'm Jenna Lee, and we're your hosts each week. Each week, we interview women to hear their stories, and we address topics that don't usually get talked about so openly. Be ready for honest and raw conversations about all the things we're struggling with as real women. Welcome to the first episode. I am so excited for this, you guys, and today we have one of my favorite people in the world on. Today, Desiree shares her story and she talks about all the things. She talks about teen pregnancy. She talks about being married, getting divorced, about domestic violence, um, about drug addictions. She talks about being a mom and raising kids as a single person. She just talks about everything and it is so beautiful and it's so wonderful and the way that she kept her faith through it all is fantastic. So you guys are really in for a treat and I mean it when I say she's one of the best people I know and I know you guys are going to fall in love with her too. I'm really excited for you. I will start I guess in my childhood. Um, I grew up in a Christian family. I went to North County Christian School. Um, Which is funny because we both did, but that's not where we know yeah. each other from yeah. <laughs> at all. Yeah, my oldest brother, Ryan, he's 11 years older than me, and you guys were in the same class, right? And he was a year older than me. Oh, okay. So He was so quiet, though. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know him, really. I, yeah. yeah, I didn't know him, but I find that funny. That we overlapped a lot in different ways. Yeah, we did. A lot of, actually all my family went there for quite a while. Growing up, my parents were very, I, I don't want to say emotionally unavailable, but we did not talk about emotions at all in our family. But that has led me to grow up very kind of distanced from emotions and how I feel. And when I met Jenna Lee, actually, I would go through something and she would say, how do you feel? And I would not know how to answer it because I would just feel, I'd say, I don't feel good. I grew up going to youth groups. I was always centered around God and Christ. And I was just trying to find what that looked like for me. Um, I was about 14. Well, I wasn't about, I was 14. I was going to a youth group in Atascadero and... It was a very important time in my life, I guess, because my best friend at the time was branching off with other young kids, and they were trying weed, they were trying ecstasy, and like all this stuff, and I had never really been attracted to that stuff, but it was definitely a defining time in my life, whether I was going to go with my best friend, or whether I was going to be someone without a best friend Mm -hmm. which at middle school age is like Mm -hmm. seems terrifying yeah it was the year it was the summer from middle school to high school so I didn't really know what I want I didn't have a voice for I wouldn't let myself have a voice I guess I was really worried about people would think of me Mm -hmm. if I decided something different um but we were going early to a youth group in Atascadero, and uh, my friend Angel, her friends were the the sketchy crowd, and this, I remember this boy was with them, and he asked me to go for a walk, and I didn't really think much of it, and I was very shy, I was painfully shy, so I said, okay, we kind of walked, I was 
excited that he had interest in me because boys, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, I think we all know <laughs> that one. But yeah, he he ended up um, taking me back behind where there was construction, and he started um, initiating uh, physical things, and I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know what to expect. My parents never even brought up the conversation of sex or what boys wanted or so this or was your how first to react. Experience. Yeah, I I really didn't know what to do. I didn't know if it was okay to say I don't feel comfortable, I don't want to go. Um and he started initiating things and I told him I don't want to do this. I want to go back. I feel scared. I voiced my opinion about this, but he uh, came back with, oh, you're going to like it. You do like it. Mm-hmm. This is what you want. This is what I'm going to do. So instead of questioning it, he told me. Mm-hmm. And I look back and I think I could have handled that better. I should have said something. Did I not voice my opinion enough? Um, which led him into doing things I wasn't okay with. And... You did voice your opinion, though. Yeah, and it's like something... That, that's important to know for yourself, is that mm-hmm. you did voice your opinion. It was not, what could you have done? You said no. You said you were uncomfortable. You said you were scared. Yeah, and that's something that was really hard for me to move on, because I didn't want what happened to happen, and he ended up sexually assaulting me and uh, raping me because I got pregnant from that encounter. Um, going back... And how old were you at this time? I was 14. How old was he? I think he was 16 at that time. Um, but I, I didn't know how to react afterwards. He just left me there. I felt broken. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to be going to youth group. I, this didn't happen. This didn't happen to me. This didn't happen in our small town. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to think. Uh, just, it was an awful situation. So I ended up picking myself up, going through youth group until my brother picked me up afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I didn't tell anyone about it until about uh, four months later when I didn't have my period for four months and Mm -hmm. kind of couldn't ignore it anymore. Now, did you feel like you were pregnant? Because four months pregnant, did you experience morning sickness or any symptoms like that? I did. I... Through both of my pregnancies, I look back and I had awful morning sickness. So how did you, like, hide that from yourself and from everyone? I just, I I remember not feeling good. I remember going to McDonald's was our treat. Yeah, that's (laughs) still our treat, by the way. (laughs) I remember in the drive-thru line with my mom, she'd ask me what I want, and I'd always get two McChickens, and I just remember, like, feeling awful. And I just couldn't eat anything. And that's when I, like, knew it was morning sickness. And, like, I was most likely pregnant. I just... So you felt it before. You just didn't want to admit it. Yeah, definitely. And I even I even minimized the situation to myself. Like, mm-hmm. it's just a baby, you know? Like, yeah. I, I didn't know how to deal with it. I hadn't told anyone what happened, nonetheless, that I was pregnant. And it was really hard. All my friends were out 
they started drinking, they started doing drugs, and I was never into it. It's like, before, that's when the crowd was kind of splitting, but I was never drawn to it. And even after I walked down six blocks to the local Rite Aid and got a pregnancy test, like... So you went on your own to do that? Yeah, I did. Um... I, it came back positive. I was thinking, like, of course it did, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, after now, that, at this point, how? where was your faith at, like, after all of this happening and at youth group, nonetheless? Where would you say your faith was at through this? I would say I – it's it's difficult to look back and see where I was then compared to my relationship with God now because then – it's like, yeah, of course I was Christian. I grew up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. We prayed before eating dinner. You know, we went to church mm-hmm. every Sunday. And But honestly, for me, it's like my relationship with God was socializing with my friends at youth group and then mm-hmm. us coming together because of God, but not really focusing our lives around God. So okay. it was it was a pretty normal dynamic because I would look at all my friends there and they were quote unquote Christians yeah but they did not live the Christian life and they were all trying to figure out who they were at that point too and which is interesting because in like in my experience youth groups are kind of like that it's the fun it's the games Mm -hmm. it's the go to camp it's that kind of thing um which probably is because it's young but still did you feel like when you were thinking about finding out that you were pregnant, were you feeling anything towards what God might think? Or were you just nervous of what other people would think? Or I was I was mostly nervous about my parents because okay. I was the youngest. I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. I was the only girl. And my mom never even had the period talk with me. You know, no, nonetheless... So, so this the, was a taboo topic. <laughs> nonetheless, the sex talk. And it was... It was really difficult. My relationship with my dad was not good at that point. I was really close to my brother Casey, and Casey did go down the drug path, and he was selling weed, and he was more of the salesman than the doer. But my relationship with my dad was affected by my brother's relationship with him, and he would threaten to kick him out, and I would Mm. say... If he goes, I go, you know. <laughs> yeah. Got to stand the, the front with my brother. <laughs> she found her voice for Casey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not for myself, but for Casey. Isn't that so, like, that line, though, isn't that so true? We can find it for other people mm-hmm. way before we can find it for ourselves. Yeah. I can go to bat for so many people before I can go to bat for me. Yeah, and it's it's like you feel all these feelings for someone else, but when they're on you, it's like, I don't know. I, I didn't know how to handle it. And being from a family that didn't process emotions or, like, yeah. confront situations head on, it was really difficult. So I remember, how was that then when you... I remember going into my parents' room to tell them that I was pregnant. And I went in there. I sat on their bed. I turned and looked at them. And I didn't say anything. For about three hours. <laughs> and I, they I, didn't say anything? <laughs> I, we were watching TV. And oh my, you guys really did not talk about things. I would turn to look <laughs> at them. And then for about 30 seconds and then turn back to the TV. And they mm. 
could obviously tell wanted to <laughs> talk about something. Looking back right now, it's like, why didn't they just ask me? <laughs> See, they have way more patience than me. I would be the mom that would be like, spit it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but and you were trying to get up the courage to say it. Yeah, because obviously I was pregnant. There's no going back from that. And I I didn't know what to expect. I, my dad had a temper. He would yell, and I wouldn't. I was very timid. I wouldn't do very well with it. I got up the courage. I think I it went something like, tell you something a few months ago before youth group like this boy like did things to me and I'm pregnant now and I was crying at that point and um my parents were concerned and they I think my mom came up and hugged me and I can't remember what my dad did but I will always remember what my mom said she she told me oh Desiree a baby's a blessing and I'm like, how could you say that when I told you this? It just wasn't the reaction I was thinking was going to happen. I thought I'd be in a bunch of trouble. And So did it bring you comfort? Ease your mind a little bit? Or was it more like, I'm confused? It was confusion and kind of like lightened the moment because I started laughing. Because <laughs> I was like, how, how could this be a blessing in any way? Mm-hmm. I was devastated and I don't know it was a very hard time for me um but from there on my dad was more of the justice seeker he we went to the police department where it happened and uh they informed us that it was pretty much hearsay and because it was so late like they could do a paternity test but they couldn't yeah they couldn't determine whether it was consensual or not and uh, so it, it didn't go anywhere and I didn't think it would. Now, did you at any point think like you wish you could get an abortion? Did that ever cross your mind? Were you thinking of how other options? Oh yeah. The whole time before I, I actually admitted to myself, I was pregnant. I would think if I'm pregnant, there's no way I'm having this baby mm. all the way up until the, the, probably the six month mark. And I didn't know anything about abortions. I didn't yeah. know anything about pregnancy. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I was thinking, there's no way I'm having this baby. There's no way. There's no way. Did your parents talk to you about that, or did they just assume they were having this baby because they were from a Christian home and all of that? No, they were they were totally open and supportive. But I think at that point I had decided that even if I was to get an abortion, it would be very traumatic mm-hmm. because at that point there's no taking a pill and mm-hmm. it's it's yeah just a bad day, you know. Mm-hmm. There would be a lot, it'd be a lot more invasive. So they said, uh, you can keep it, we can have it adopted. They wouldn't say it, they would say the baby. We could have the baby adopted. We could adopt it, we could raise it. Aww. as ours and like you wouldn't have the pressure on you and I considered all of it but thinking like having this child grow up and then realizing one day that your sister's your mom and there was like this whole underlying dynamic going on it would just be uncomfortable and I wouldn't want my mom raising my baby because I would want to say so and I don't know it was It was something that wouldn't personally work for me, even though it was really thoughtful for them. Yeah. Um, So I decided 
I was going to keep the baby. They actually offered to go out of the area and rent a house so I wouldn't have, like, the backlash from, like, my peers and having mm. to go to school. Wow. And having all that. And I was really grateful for that. But we opted out of that because it's kind of unnecessary. Everyone would know I had a baby after yeah. it was born, you know? Yeah. So I didn't see a doctor until I was about six months along, and the baby was fine. During that time, too, I was pregnant, and my friends were drinking, and I remember we had this RV out in front of our house, and they would come over on the weekends, and we would have a sleepover in the RV, and they would get very drunk. And one weekend, it was Vine Street lighting. My parents live two blocks away from Vine Street, so very mm -hmm. close. And they wanted to come over and drink before. And that was when, that was the moment where I had my voice. And I said, you guys use me for what I have and you don't even want to hang out with me. I said, I can't even drink and that's all you want to do. Like, yeah. did and you they forget? all knew at I'm, this point you were pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Because I was actually showing. That was in December and Darren, my oldest, was born in February. Hmm. So I, I had a belly and everyone knew. And they, they pretty much just said, yeah, you're right. And stop talking to me so wow that must have been hard it was my mom was my best friend during my pregnancy which is fine we both stayed in watched a lot of tv <laughs> and the power of if that's not a testament of the power of an accepting mother that's amazing to me yeah I know my dad was really worried about me drinking when I was pregnant because all my friends were mm -hmm. and I just said dad I would never do anything to to intentionally hurt my kids, like, especially when they're fetuses, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was definitely a defining point in my life of getting pregnant, keeping the baby, and raising it. And at that point, I was a mother at 14. My birthday's in May, so I, was, I turned 15 three months after Darren was born, which wow. is pretty crazy to think about. It is, especially knowing you and what a fantastic mom you are. That's what always blows my mind is I always forget how much younger you are than me because you're, like, so much better at mommy than I am. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. But it actually, it created a, even then, at that young, making a, a life decision like that, one of my brothers came to me and he said, I am so incredibly proud of you for keeping the baby. And he said, you are so strong, and I'm so proud of you. And looking back, it's like I made a choice for me, but people people like my brother could see like the courage it took, mm -hmm. and it wasn't a decision I made lightly. Yeah, not at all. And that was cool. So moving on, at 16 I got a job at Subway working part-time, and that was nice. I had... I bought my own car, got my license, um, just did normal teenage stuff aside from having a baby. I mean, it, it wasn't until he was about nine months old that I fully accepted being a mother and saying, this is what I am. I'm a mother. I'm not going to have my mom watch my baby so I can hang out with my friends. And at that point is when I fully embraced it and... Ever since then, it's just been the best 
one of the best things that's ever happened in my life. Well, and the strength that that took, because at that point, you're still 15, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're still a little baby teenager, yes. you know, <laughs> deciding I'm going to embrace motherhood and I'm not going to take my mom up on watching my kid all the time and still enjoy the childhood or the teenage years that I think I'm owed. Yeah. You know, the strength that comes with that, that's incredible that you even were at that place. Yeah, it's it's something that I have noticed that when I finally admit to something and embrace it, that's when I'm like, okay, now let me do the best at it. Yeah. Now, were you still going to church at this time? Um, yeah, I was going to Vintage. Okay. <laughs> so is that embraced? Like, you were embraced there? Did you feel judged? How did you feel as a 15-year-old I, with a baby? I felt that others would judge me and that I never felt like it wasn't a place for me. That never crossed my mind. But... I was definitely timid and wasn't out there with it. I would wear baggy hoodies rather than cute maternity clothes mm-hmm. that showed my belly off, you know. But they, and when you showed up with a baby, because that would—I mean, my first thought is thinking I would be so terrified at certain churches mm-hmm. to walk in as a 15-year-old with a baby, and I can't imagine how you kept that sort of courage and faith and I'm going to go to church and I'm going to continue to be a part of a community? Well, I didn't talk to anyone there, so it wasn't very hard. And the reason I went to church was for the message. And I always felt closer to God when I went to church. Mm -hmm. And that was why I went. So, and it was more of a, it wasn't more of a, but it was a tradition. It was like every Sunday we go to church and I didn't really think twice about it, so. And that, but that's incredible. Like to think, <laughs> when I'm hearing your story, I'm thinking how God had like a shield around you, despite all of that, because there's so much crap in the church around things like this, right? Yeah. And so much judgment and just cynical people that it's so hard to walk into something like that and be like, "This happened. This is me. You might not know my story or why this happened, but I'm gonna sit here anyway because I have a place here." Mm-hmm. And just the fact that God still had that, like, you still had that in your heart towards him at that age, and despite all of that, that's just badass. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, I I love, I always liked going to church, and my parents were very supportive of me having a baby. They obviously didn't want it for me, but mm-hmm. they their outlook on it was it happened, and now this is how we are. So, yeah. which is incredible, and yeah, which probably played played a big part into yeah your courage and your comfort still. Yeah. Growing up, it's like, and especially during that time, it didn't really matter what other people thought of me, but my family has always been a big deal of what they think. So when they're accepting, I go into everyone else saying, do your worst, you know? I don't yeah. care what you think because mm-hmm. the people I love love me. So, yeah. And that was really... That was really good, and I feel like those years of early motherhood just flew by me, and I made a friend in in my independence studies. We went to math class, and she was a mom, and that was also where I met my future husband. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> on to the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> and how old were you now? 16 or 17. I can't remember. 
Um, but I was in my math class. We'd have math uh, three days a week for an hour. And that's when this cute, rebellious teenager came in and sat in front of me. And he would always turn and look at me. And my friend, who was the mom, would say, he's looking at you again. Yeah. He's looking. And it kind of encouraged me to talk to him. I was still painfully shy. I never talked to anyone. Well, I would imagine even more so now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so before class and after class, we'd sit and talk. And uh, he was very outgoing, very funny. He was the class clown. And everyone liked him. And there'd be weeks where he wouldn't show up to class. And then he'd show up. And then weeks he wouldn't. So I'd always kind of wonder about him. Hmm. Um, and then he, I think it was on Facebook, he reached out and it was at a time, uh, where he was going through some issues and he said, I could always talk to you. He would call me and say, you're the only one I could talk to. You're the only one who understands. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents won't talk to me because of this. None of my friends like me. Whatever the issue was, he would call me. And, and you were incredibly special. Yes. Yes, I was. And I was the only one who would understand and make time for him. And I'd talk to him for hours at a time trying to make him feel better and hmm. made me feel good that I was the one he thought mm -hmm. of, you know. Yeah, and that you could help in such a way. Yeah, I was the only one who understood. And that kind of gave me a confident boost. And he... He ended up going to the Grizzly Youth Academy. Then he got out six months later. That was when we were in the same class again, and we started talking a lot. He started coming over and hanging out, and he needed a ride to work. So I'd give him a ride to work. I'd pick him up. It wasn't every day, and then it turned into every day. And then it turned into a different job where he had to be at work at 6. So I would wake up at 5 15 pick him up at 5 30 drop him off i'd have to make him lunch take his take him now lunch. you guys were dating at this point no he never asked me out you guys were just friends yes just just okay. friends yeah and he would not take lunch on purpose so i could bring it to him he would most days use my phone to listen to music because i had iphone and i had some music on there and he didn't and so I would let him take my phone, and I would just mm. drop him off, go on his lunch break, pick him up, and he'd usually hang out for an hour, and then I'd take him home. He didn't have a car, and I did, so it was, it was something, that's for sure. And then I remember he said something about us dating when I was giving him a ride home one day, and I said, you never asked me out. <laughs> and he goes, okay. Will you be my girlfriend then? Or I think he told me, you're my girlfriend. And I said, that's not how it's going to happen. That's not. <laughs> no. When I tell people, like, how we started dating, I'm not going to say you told me. You know? <laughs> he said it and it happened. <laughs> and so I had a little bit of backbone there, but I could not see the boundaries that were being crossed. And mm -hmm. I, I had no idea. Um. And then he asked me to date him. He know he knew I liked Christmas lights, so around Christmas he asked me to date, and I said yes. 
of course, the guy of my dreams, you know? Yeah. I'm so lucky that mm-hmm. he would want me with the child already. and Yeah, and he was probably saying those things, too. Oh, he was, yeah. Um, and then, after we had been dating for a few months, um, I ended up pregnant, and when my dad found out, he had a different reaction. He, he said, you had better marry her. Hmm. So because there was someone in the picture this time. Yeah. It was expected that you should get married. Mm-hmm. And Did you want to get married? Was that what you were thinking? I was thinking it's the next step. I mean, I have I have one child and I'm a single mom and then I'm pregnant with another man's child, so two different dads. I was like, There's no way I'm gonna have more than three kids with three different dads. Like yeah. I'm not gonna be that person. So instead of like, I'm so in love with this person, I can't spend my life with anyone else. It was more like, this makes sense. This is what should happen. Yeah, exactly. And I had my friends telling me, oh, he's, he's so cute. He's such a good looking guy. Like, you're so lucky. Like they had Mm -hmm. went to school with him prior to him being in independent studies. And Oh, he's so funny, you know. Mm-hmm. He was so charming. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, I am having his baby, so. Mm-hmm. And my dad saying that to him, it was giving him his blessing. So mm-hmm. I said, oh, what are we going to do? Are we going to, like, have a wedding? Are we going to elope? And he said, well, let's just go to the courthouse and get married. And, um, Did you want a wedding? I wanted a wedding, yeah. And How my mom, far along were you at this point? I was about three months, I think. Okay. So, barely pregnant. Yeah. No, it is. <laughs> um, so yeah. you wanted a wedding. Yeah, I wanted a wedding. My mom offered to buy my wedding dress, and we were looking into, like, a little family thing, and then he was against it, totally against it, saying, mm. I'm not going to wear a tux. You can't wear a wedding dress. Why? I don't think he wanted to be in normal clothes and me in a wedding dress. I don't know. Hmm. That's that's only I never thought about it <laughs> past that because it was like so out of the picture, like out of the question. No way. Hmm. Did you feel at any point like he was controlling that situation? Were you feeling like you wish you had more of a voice in that moment, or oh, yeah. was it just yeah through a lot of things? I've tried to voice my opinion, and he just shot it down or got angry, so I avoided it. And I don't know. I there was never a point that. I labeled him as controlling, but I knew that he was controlling me, mm-hmm. definitely. You felt it. Yeah, and that's just how it started. But we decided to elope. We didn't know how the courthouse system worked. We never looked into it. Um, so he got the idea, let's drive to Vegas and get married. I know people do it all the time. <laughs> the go, movies do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I go, okay, how far is Vegas? What do we What do we got to do? And just, I don't know, eight-hour drive, six hours? Did you guys take anyone with you? Um, we took his friend as a witness because we had to have a witness. and But not your parents or anything like that? No. Did your parents know? They knew. Um, one of my brothers didn't know, though. Bradley. He goes, you went and got married. Like, you didn't invite me. You didn't yeah. tell me. Like, and at that point, it hadn't even crossed my mind because I had all this other stuff going on. Um, 
but I remember in the parking lot, we went after he got out of work on a Friday. He got out at four or two or something. And we went to Walmart to cash his check. And it was before we picked up his friend. And I said, I don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to Vegas. I don't want to get married right now. Mm-hmm. I just think it's not a good time. And uh, he turned to me and belittled me and said, you're going to be the one to tell my friend we're not going because he moved around his week and it's your choice to not get married. And if you want to do this, you have to tell him and you have to tell all our families and, and everything, like, because this is you. And I just said, okay, fine, let's go. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I didn't want to fight it. He, I think he'd been threatening me or, or whatever, but. Do you I, feel like at any point, like, that was the spirit? I definitely felt, looking back, there was an opportunity for me to not, obviously not go forth with it. I could, he could have left me in the Walmart parking lot. I could have walked home. Like, the, yeah. the worst could have happened and everything would have been okay. Yeah, well, and and I'm thinking too though, like, because hindsight is always twenty twenty. So when we're in it, it's easy. Or when we're out of it now, it's easy to say like, that was my moment. I could have mm-hmm. walked away. But in the the moment, it's so hard. But I'm thinking like, since you had that feeling of I don't want to do this. I don't want to go right now and do this. Yeah. Like, in a way, were you feeling like you were connected at all to the spirit, or like you were listening to something higher, or was it more yeah. just like I'm. I just don't feel like doing this. No, it was definitely a connection. Like, I could I could feel moments of, like, clarity. Like, it wasn't a vocal, like, Desiree, don't do this. It wasn't yeah. God talking to me, but it was him telling me, like, is this what you want? Look at what's going on. Mm-hmm. This, like, you can voice what you want. And giving that nudge, I know so many people who who just talk so poorly of our emotions, you know, that our emotions are not from God and things like that. But in my experience, some of my most crazy emotions are like, no, that was pointing me towards something. Mm -hmm. So just feeling like in that moment for you, this doesn't feel right. Yeah, it was, it was a moment that I will remember. Definitely. But so you went anyway. Yes. And you got married. We went, he, he wouldn't let me drive there for some reason, um, but we, we got there, got married. It was like, if we would have been five minutes later, we wouldn't have been able to be married because the courthouse was closing with the wedding licenses and we were the last person to get in and it was just past midnight. Obviously the wedding chapels were still open, but the, the, the courthouse was closing, um, but we got it. We were able to get married. We took a picture outside. We got married at the little white chapel or something. Okay. And there was this picture, and I could see it, and he's ecstatic, and I'm putting on a fake smile. Like, mm. smile for the picture, and I'm like, I don't want to be here. Yeah, you didn't and, feel it. And I was just starting to show, so it was a couple months after we had talked about it. Um, and then they wanted to walk the strip and oh, no. drink and all all this fun, fun stuff. 
And I told him, I'm hungry. I'm pregnant. Mm -hmm. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. I want to go home. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And they had been drinking. So after we walked about two miles, we got something to eat at what Kate said was very overpriced and unnecessary. And we should have waited. But we ate there. Hmm. And then we walked back. And I drove home. And that was a very long drive. Cade would not let me have caffeine because it was bad for the baby. So mm. I couldn't have coffee or nothing. And I was, I remember I was falling asleep at the wheel. And I remember how dangerous it was. But if I were to pull over, Cade would get so upset that it's not worth it. Mm. And so him and his friend are sleeping. And then as the sun's coming up, uh, his friend wakes up and we're talking some very heavy stuff had happened with his girlfriend and I was asking him about her and like what's she like how how are you doing and Cade woke up when we were talking and he got so upset that we were talking without him knowing and like he didn't know what we were talking about and it was about an hour outside of Paso and we pulled over for gas and he insisted on driving since the sun was up he was awake (laughs) you know how nice of him yeah that was sweet (laughs) and he was driving so erratically and like trying to prove a point Mm. and it's like so unnecessary and that's the story his new wife and baby that's the story of my wedding night Mm. you know yeah and uh yeah it didn't get better from there it definitely got worse um we lived with my parents for about a month after and it's just the cycle of emotional abuse, demeaning me. I felt like nothing, pretty much. We found a house two blocks away from my parents that was pretty cheap. It was a one-bedroom. And we moved into there, and that's when the abuse got really bad. And he was using drugs without me knowing. started as weed, which I voiced to him, I don't want any drugs around my kids at all. So you had Darren at this point, and he was yeah. how old? Uh, Darren was four now. Okay. Or, no, he was three when I was pregnant. After I had the baby, the abuse got a lot worse. And it was worse in aspects because the kids took up more of my time, and I couldn't give my time to Cade anymore. Mm-hmm. And he did not like that at mm, all. Yeah, he's, he's not the center of it now. Yeah, very jealous. He would not allow me to spend any quality time with Darren, and... If we were goofing around, he would get very upset. And he was never physical towards Darren, but he uh, demeaned him too. Made him, like, if he dropped food on the floor, made him, like, pick it up and eat it. And, like, mm-hmm. it's just stuff a four-year-old should not be forced to do. It got very, very bad to the point. Well, it started to get physical. He pushed me. He grabbed me and bruised me. And... I was never allowed to walk to my parents alone, two blocks away. I was never allowed to talk to them or see them. When I went to their house to pick something up or my mom would call and say, come over, like, I have this for you. He would set a timer on his phone and say, it will take you this long to drive. If you have to say hi and bye and get what you want, it'll take you two minutes and then it'll take you this long to drive back. And he'd, he would time me. Wow. And... It was like, it was something that was so ridiculous, and I went along with it. When we first moved into that house, we got into an argument, and 
I still had my phone at this point. He didn't take it yet. And I needed to take a walk because the argument got heated and I didn't want to be there anymore. I didn't want to be with him mm-hmm. and he was blocking my way. I felt trapped and this was before he got physical with me. Um, I was able to get past him and I started walking down the block. So he got in the car and was like not trying to run me over, but he was chasing me down so I couldn't mm-hmm. get away. And so I had to run through people's backyards. I knew this area better than him. And there was a house that had been for rent for a few, about a month. So I knew it was vacant. So I ran back there on a dead end road and hid. And then I called one of my friends and she left work for me to pick me up. And she goes, I was talking to her last week and she goes, you were actually running from him. And I have never seen you at that point running from someone, hiding from them. Let alone your husband. Yes. And now, so you reached out. Did you feel throughout this time of the abuse starting to build and things starting to happen and progress? Did you feel like you needed to keep this a secret or were you open about it? How I, I didn't know. I definitely felt shameful that it was happening. I knew it wasn't supposed to be happening and I didn't want other people to know it was happening because it was kind of like people would say something and I'd kind of say, yeah. It was something I didn't want to admit. Did you put like, out there cover for him when people asked, or did you just oh, say, yeah. "Yeah, it happens"? Or no, I covered for him. Like, what? Why did you have to leave? Oh, I didn't feel good. Not mm. he was calling and yeah, took me to the side and reprimanded me for talking to someone else. And, yeah, you know, it it was not a good cycle. And at this point, we'd been married about a year, and he started using drugs. When I say drugs, I mean uh, heroin and meth. Uh, He was talking to the neighbors and found out one of them was a heroin dealer. And I didn't know I was in the house all day. I actually wasn't allowed to go outside Mm. without him. So I was in the house. I didn't know. And he would hang out outside uh, where our yards met. Uh, They lived up on a hill, so they would walk down the alley and hang out in our carport and talk and whatever. I was always inside with the kids, but he started getting even more irrational and unstable, and he would start hitting himself really hard. It just kind of spiraled, and there was one night that was one of the defining points in my relationship, and he knew I was a Christian. He wouldn't let me go to church. Uh, He didn't like the community, or they felt, he felt like he was being unfairly judged there. When it's the same church that I had a baby at 15, and I had no judgment, yeah. you know? So we didn't go, and I was doing dishes one night, and he was yelling at me for something, telling me something. I wasn't listening. I wasn't doing the dishes right, something. Mm-hmm. And I just said, I'm not going to take this. Like, no. And he blocked my way to get out of the kitchen, and I pushed him back. I very rarely ever touched him because he would touch me back. Yeah. But I, I pushed him, and he fell to the ground exuberantly and, like, over the top. Say, you are strong. <laughs> I pushed him past. And, it, like, I didn't push him to the ground. I pushed him past, and he fell down. And I saw how he landed. He was okay. He didn't hit his head on anything. So I just walked past. And he laid there for a while. And... <laughs> He got, like, I went into the room, and baby was sleeping still, and 
I think Darren was at my parents' house for the night. Um, and he got up and he said, I hit my head really hard. And I said, no, you didn't. I saw. And he was trying to convince me that uh, he could see there was an angel in the room over mm. the baby because he was still sleeping. And the baby never sleeps this long. And it's because this moment is, like, made for us to, like, have this heart-to-heart. He could see angels and he could mm. talk and I couldn't see them because I wasn't ready for it. Oh, so now your religion and your faith. Yes. And he's, he's got the upper hand on. And he had made this story about how the angel opened his eyes to my whole past and he could see everything and he could like tell I wasn't being honest with him. And this is the moment that I could truly be honest mm. with him. And, and he was doing drugs at this time, though. Yes, okay. yes. i come to find out, yes. <laughs> I was going to say, is this a real big story, or is he maybe actually hallucinating? I don't know. It, it was definitely a, a manipulation tactic, but I didn't, like, I didn't give in to it. It was so ridiculous, and I could tell. And it was at a time where he felt powerless, so he tried to mm-hmm. one-up me with that, and... I didn't know what to think, but I knew it wasn't real. You yeah. Know? You're like, well, my God did not put angels in front of me right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Moving on, he told me not to look at uh, the bank account. I was the one who handled all the finances. I was the one with the job, and he didn't have a job at this point mm-hmm. because it was too demanding for him. He couldn't handle it. And I said, whatever you need, whatever you want, I'll be there for you to support mm-hmm. you and well, and it's, it's interesting how throughout the your entire story of him, he is the victim. Yes. You know, like, he yeah. he needs you to see that he's been wronged and things are not oh, yeah. okay for him. So you have to step up and take care of him and, and playing towards that part of you that loves other people. Mm-hmm. Because that, as I know you more, that's a big part of you is you have a big heart for other people. So him being able to pick that out of you and realize that's where I'm going to go. Yeah. And then to use your faith on top of that. He went a little overboard on that one, but... <laughs> I don't think he quite knew. <laughs> knew what a Christian was. So he was like, just... <laughs> he didn't know what a Christian was. He thought we all saw angels, okay? <laughs> he was just going off his best bet at that point. <laughs> Jesus manifests himself right here, always. When you pray, he shows up yes. in the flesh. <laughs> And at that point, I was like... (laughs) Oh my goodness, I love Uh, it. (laughs) And it actually wasn't the last time he used that technique either. I'm sorry, I love that. He didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) He he had the courage to go all out, though, okay? Like, if he was going to do it, he did it. The oh angels were speaking. Yes, they were all around. <laughs> How'd you miss them, Desiree? <laughs> I just wasn't ready. I wasn't at that point in my face. Whew. <laughs> he jumped right there. Yes, he did. So you stayed with him for how much longer? Um, it was, at that point, probably about four months. The neighbor was selling the heroin that Kate was buying. Mm. And he pretty much said, I'm going to tell your wife about the, like, the truth, unless you give me your BMW, unless you give me everything you have, Mm. and he did, he gave him the car, it was, like, a 96 BMW, uh, that his, that Kate's uncle had given to him, so we could have two cars, 
so I wouldn't be stuck at home all the time because they knew I was stuck at home yeah. all the time. Um, he gave him the car. He tried to give him our Xbox 360, but I said, like, you're not doing that. That's not yours. That's My brother Wade gave that to Darren so he could watch Netflix or whatever. Mm. Like, that's not yours to give away. Yeah. And he said, okay, and gave him everything else. Wow. Um, and I said, why are you doing this? Why would you give him the car? And he said, he, he told me, I just really feel like God is telling me to do this. It's mm. something I have to do. And I said, okay, I felt like that before. I don't know why, what is going on, why, but okay. So you did know. you believe him? Not really, but. You just I'm, didn't want to fight back. Yeah, I said, whatever, it's your car, you know. Yeah. You're the one who's. Well, and <laughs> don't you love that line? God is telling me this. That's, or God's telling me that you should do this. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've heard in my life, God put it on my heart for you, generally, yes. that you should do this. And I'm like, huh, seems a little odd he didn't talk to me. <laughs> hmm. Yes. But, okay, it's funny how when that line comes, it's just expected. Because, I, I mean, obviously in your situation, it's somewhat ab- absurd, right? Mm-hmm. Because he, God wasn't talking to him, well, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to believe he wasn't in that moment, yes. but, um, like whether or not he was, that line is used like that all the time. And it's thought that as soon as we hear that, God's telling me to do this, that makes it automatically right. Yeah. Right. Like mm-hmm. whether or not it's the dumbest idea on the planet and you're like, really God's telling yes. you to jump off a cliff right now. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. But if we say that, it's like everyone around, I think we say that in the words that everyone around us should just lay off mm-hmm. now because I said, God told me yeah. this is okay. He's the one that we all need to listen to. You yeah. Know? And while we pray and we, you know, we do feel nudges and spirit and things like that. There's also a part of, for me anyway, that is like, sometimes I thought I was going in the right direction and thought I did hear God, but whoa. Yes. <laughs> Apparently not, because yes. that's not working out at all. Mm-hmm. And so he gave the car away. Uh, we, my parents owned two houses, so they moved from the big house to the small house, which was a five-bedroom house to a three-bedroom house. And Darren had one room. Me and Cade and the baby had the other room, and then my parents had one room. Hmm. And he, well, he had me exhausted. I was, Cruz was six months at that point, and I had no sleep, and it was not a good time for me. It got to the point where I was too exhausted, and I just, it was, it was my breaking point. My parents had seen the abuse. They'd heard him yelling, and they intervened a couple times, but there was always a bigger excuse. He used the excuse of his sister dying, which she actually didn't die, but that mm. was one of the reasons he justified his actions toward me, yelling at me and the baby and all this stuff. But it was the 4th of July morning, which was my brother's, Bradley's birthday, and we were singing happy birthday, and it was very sad because my whole family could see I wasn't happy in Cade was controlling me, and I couldn't even say something without getting a dirty look from Cade. And after the party, we went home, and uh, Cade had fallen asleep. I nursed the baby to sleep, and then I went to sleep. And then a while later, I woke up to Cade punching himself very hard in the face. And I knew that was going to turn to me. And so I got up, 
got the baby up. I said, Darren, can you watch the baby? He goes, yeah. And so I put him in this little baby seat or whatever. And I went back and then Cade had told me, uh, this is all your fault. You always turn your back to me. I can't fucking do it anymore. Mm -hmm. He was holding a razor blade to himself. And that's when I was thinking, I was standing in the doorway and I said, do I go in or do I get help? Do I have someone help me? And that's when I thought, don't think about it, just do it. So I ran to my parents' bedroom and opened the door and they weren't even in there. They were gone. And so I ran back past the door. He had almost grabbed me, but I ran next door. My brother and sister-in-law lived next door. So they were out in the yard doing yard work. I walked up and I was obviously distraught. And my sister-in-law, Tammy, said, what's up, hun? <laughs> and I said, I really need help. Cade's being crazy, and I just want him to leave. And I just broke down and started crying. And she said, I, I've seen the way he treats you, and it's not okay. You don't deserve it. And Cade was running after me at that point. And uh, Ryan went past us and interviewed. He interfered, stopped Kate from coming, and said, you need to leave right now. Get out of here. Mm. And I went inside. Tammy went and got the kids, brought them over. And I remember I was just crying my eyes out. And Viola, my little niece, came up. And she said, it'll be okay, Auntie. <laughs> and right out of the mouth of babes, right? Yeah. I went, oh, my gosh. So I gave her a hug. And it was just so nice. I finally, for the first time in years, felt safe mm. in the home where I grew up and like I had so many memories mm -hmm. and I was finally safe Kate wasn't there oh and that feeling of like the weight mm -hmm. releasing just as someone knows yeah you know and that someone like your brother is dealing with it I don't have to deal with it for five seconds yeah it was nice that led to a long string of me I was staying at their their house um, my parents would not let Cade come back. The next couple days, he would, like, stop by Starbucks drinks. Like, before this, Starbucks was too expensive to even consider, mm -hmm. but now he was buying me cookies. Well, and he was trying Frappuccinos. To, yeah. He bought the boys, like, this blow-up bowling ball set. <laughs> it was, like, the stupidest thing, and I was like, I cannot believe he spent money on this. Like well, he was trying to charm his way back in. Yes, buy his way back in, and I'm like, there's no way. I threw the cookies away. I was like, there's. <laughs> I'm no not even eating these. I don't care how good they are. Yes. You bought them <laughs> to prove a point. I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> that was when, like, I decided I did not want him back. There's nothing he could ever do to like win me back. There's no way, and mm. that's when. I started finding my voice. I started going back to church. That's when Dane suggested uh, soul architecture. And when I brought up the sexual abuse, he told me, I have the perfect girl. <laughs> Jenna Lee. I'm so glad that's what I'm known for. <laughs> and he's like, I, I don't think I'm the right person for this. <laughs> smart. He's always been a smart man. <laughs> yes. Not kidding. Yeah, he is a smart man. <laughs> Just saying. And so that's when my recovery really began is when I started doing soul architecture and found out who I was in God because Kate had always told me, 
you're wrong. Just the way you are you, is wrong. The way you think is wrong. It's nothing like me. I don't mm-hmm. know why why you're like this. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I believed out of years of hearing it, that I was wrong. I just wasn't right. Yeah. And going through soul architecture and taking the Enneagram mm-hmm. test and finding out I'm seven, I'm adventurous, I see the world through rose-colored glasses and... It's just, like, made me know that God made me this way for a reason. How mm-hmm. we're all different and how he loves me. And yeah, these are, like, my strong suits and how to embrace it. And going through that and did, getting counseled through the abuse and everything, and it just really has brought me to this place where I am now, that I'm very empowered. I'm very confident and even more trials after <laughs> after I left Kate I jumped into another relationship with the childhood friend and he was there for me and he helped me through a lot and I took that as a sign that we were supposed to be together and still not knowing my voice mm-hmm. and feeling lost in who I was at that point the person he fell in love with wasn't me because mm-hmm. I would I wouldn't say what I thought. I was very weak. I was not confident. I just said, oh, you think that way? Okay. Like, me too. Mm -hmm. And I just went along with it. And as I grew in myself over the next two years, I found myself and I was feeling very confident like I am now and very sure. And when I started to voice who I was in our relationship, and put my foot down and say, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is my opinion. It wasn't a me too anymore. It was here I am. This is me. Oh, I love that. And it's not, I'm not you. He didn't accept it willingly. And we had worked for a couple months to try to work it out. But going into the relationship, that's not where my heart was. And... If I would have said it sooner, it would have saved a lot of heartache on both of our parts and lesson learned. (laughs) Yeah. But you did find your voice and you did step up. And I love you saying, here I am. Because, I mean, isn't that what we just, we come at Jesus' feet. Here I am. Here's all of me. The strong parts, the weak parts, the empowered parts. Mm -hmm. All of me. And we should be able to do that with our spouse, even though that's, incredibly hard so the fact that you were brave enough to do that and to put that out there and to put it out there and like if you don't like this sorry yeah Yeah. and that was this is how it is this is me now I'm not doing this again I've been through far too much Mm -hmm. to have this happen again like that strength and that power and that courage was incredible and it was it wasn't easy like leading up to it I kind of knew in the back of my mind. We we had gotten engaged for everyone that doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I had stayed in the relationship and said me too long enough that we got engaged and we were planning our wedding and there was a baseline that I said, I will not marry you unless this happens. It was him having a job. I will not marry you unless this because I'm not... I've been in that situation. I'm not doing that again. I'm and not can gonna... we just say, that was so awesome. <laughs> like, I couldn't, honestly, it takes so much strength. That is, that is so crazy. Especially when you spent the entire relationship saying, me too, me too, me too, to where you just finally had the moment of like, enough is enough. Yeah, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is what I deserve. 
I am not going to sit back anymore and say that anyone else gets to tell me how I feel or what my life should be like. Yeah. This is it. And this man is an amazing person. We're both Christians, but we had a different idea of our faith, and we were at different points in our mm-hmm. in our faiths and in our lives. And and sometimes people can be awesome, but not be yeah. Who we're supposed to be partnered with for life. Yeah, and it was it was a different dynamic, as we know. Yes, right? yes. <laughs> if a- anyone knows, okay, it's the women with divorces under their belts. Yes. <laughs> It's weird to think that I have been divorced and engaged at 22, <laughs> but it's me. <laughs> Here I am. And that's the beauty of you because you are so wise beyond your years and so mature, more mature than most people I know, let alone 22-year-olds. Wow. Thank you. Uh, that's true. <laughs> I tell people all the time. And it was, it was just a very defining moment in my life because at that point I had been feeling very confident in every aspect of my life but my relationship Mm -hmm. and I just I knew what had to happen and I had put my foot down and I tried to make things better and he was coming at it from a faith point saying it's not about the money I'm gonna make with the job like you should want me for me and I'm thinking I'm not going to willingly put my family in a spot where we're financially unstable and Mm -hmm. it just wasn't if we don't have it figured out going in it's not going to get better well and the the job was I mean was the issue before the issue right yeah so it was it wasn't gonna change much even if the job happened things were yeah it, it was what it was yeah and I was thinking I was just finding my voice at that point and saying this is an issue but it's the issue you know, yeah. and I was voicing little things at a time, and it ultimately led up to me calling off the wedding and saying, I'm at a different time in my life. I'm not the person I was when you met me, and mm-hmm. that's just not me. This is who I am. Yeah. This is what I want to do, and uh, it was a really hard situation, but after being in it and learning from it, this was... Um, Three months ago that I called off my engagement, mm-hmm. and for the last, since I was 16, I've been with either Cade or my ex-fiance, and being empowered to the point where I don't depend on a man, and I mm. find the power from the Lord, I'm his, and that's where I see my worth, not mm-hmm. from how someone treats me or how, I, how I'm seen to someone, which has been a struggle my whole life is... Where do, where do I find my worth? How do I feel worthy? Is, is it when someone treats me right? Is it mm-hmm. when I get the attention that I didn't get growing up or mm-hmm. whatever? But it's like seeing who I am through the Lord's eyes. It's like he made me. I am his, his creation and he made everything about me. And every day he sits back and says, I made that. Like, mm-hmm. That's my little girl. She's out there doing her thing. And mm-hmm. ooh, I wouldn't make that decision, but... We'll see. We'll see how it goes, you know. And, and in all the glory, right? That's your story now. Does he look at you any differently? Oh, I'm no. I shine brighter, baby. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so how do you? I'll ask the questions that I want to ask throughout the podcast. How? What would you say now to someone that has been in that position 
or that might be in that position right now? What advice would you give them if they're living in that, not feeling like they're good enough, they can't find their worth, they don't know where to find it, and maybe they are living in, a, in an abusive situation, or they're just suppressed and can't figure out why they would be good enough for anything? I would say it's not something I think about all the time is others' opinions change so fast. And are you going to live your life for them on that day when they think wearing a collared shirt is cool? Mm -hmm. When the next day they're, they're going to think it's the stupidest thing ever? Are you going to put on a collared shirt just for them? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to say, I like tank tops. I'm going to wear tank tops because I like them. And if they're in tomorrow, cool. If they're not, this is me, you know? Yeah. And having the courage not even the confidence, because for me, I fake it until I have it, you know? Don't, don't we all? <laughs> and it's like having the courage to just go out there and say, this is me. This is who I am. And some people will not like it, but other people will be like, heck yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I like that. And, and I love earlier, I wrote it down actually because I loved it, but you said the people I love love me. That's what's important. Yeah. And I love that because... It really comes down to, like, who are we giving the power to in our lives? Mm -hmm. Like, if we're choosing our friends wisely and we're choosing the people that matter to us wisely, they're going to love us when we screw up. They're going to love us when we're on top of the world. They're going to love us on those days when you just want to tell everyone to F off. Yes. You know? Like, they're going to get that, and it's not going to matter. You can be unashamedly you mm -hmm. if you've chosen your people right. Yeah. Like, and that's so true and sometimes we just forget that sometimes we give power to the people that it's like wait why am I listening to what you're thinking who even are you in my life yes. <laughs> you know like hmm I think I've talked to you a whole five minutes in yes. my life but yeah. I'm gonna care what you think about over what my husband or my best friend or my mom or someone that I mm -hmm. know knows all the pieces of me and still is like girl you're awesome yeah exactly and it's so it's so hard not to think about what people think but once you step over that barrier, once you like break through that wall, it's so freeing because when I'm me and I joke around and I laugh and I'm lighthearted and I smile about everything, it's like people are attracted to me and they say, oh, you're great. You're so outgoing. You're, mm -hmm. you're this, you're that. And it's like, I never thought these things about myself. I remember talking to you at the beginning and you told me like, I'm really not outgoing at all. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> what? That's not at all how I see you or that you're not adventurous, things like that. And it's like, that's exactly how God wired you. It's like super mm -hmm. adventurous and super outgoing and heart for people. And it's just amazing to see you live in that now and to embrace it and have it be like, okay, this yeah. is me and I'm good with that. And one thing that was a turning point for me too. It's just my perspective. I wasn't trying to live up to what other people were telling me I was mm. because that was a downfall for me too. I would, I would say, what do you think? What, what should I do? What, how should I be in this situation? And I was using their, Oh, I see you as a triangle, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't trying to fit their mold. I was, I, I, I made the choice to be me and how people saw me was okay with me. If one person saw me as adventurous and the other person saw me as a homebody, I'm both of those things. Yeah. But it's I I don't try to fit their mold. I'm just me. And, and that's beautiful. And it's it's gave me 
I'm I am confident in who I am now, but it's given me like I am empowered, I am me, I am happy, I'm living my best life every day because I see it as an opportunity and not as what am I who am I going to please today? What how am I going to act if I see this person and yeah, trying to fit other people's idea of what and who I should be. That is so cool. Well, is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up? Oh my gosh, it's been me talking and talking. No, it's good. This has been great because I mean, our first episodes, I want us to get to know us. So it's been awesome. Is there anything else you want to share or anything that you think you just have to say before we finish the first episode? Um, just that I've always felt shame in some aspect of my past, whether it's having a baby at 14 or mm-hmm. having children from two different dads and I'm a single mom now and just like things that put me into a category. I feel like once I got past that shame, the shame that others put on me, it wasn't even me putting it on myself. Yeah. It was others' judgments. Once I got past what I should be doing, what I should like look like in our society and like gave it all to God and said, I'm your daughter. This is what has happened. You've been you've been with me through all of it and you're with me now and you still are like proud of me Mm -hmm. and happy for me and I feel your love every day it's like once I dropped the shame and said here I am this is my story it's heavy I don't tell everyone what I've been through and it's not light talk at all even though I'm a happy person easygoing it's the things that have happened to me are not in any way easy or Mm -hmm. easygoing and I don't let it define me I just say here I am this is me and if you know it about me I'm not ashamed like this this is who I am this is why I'm here and I'm happy right now and that's that's what matters and I hope me I don't want to normalize abuse. I don't want to normalize teen pregnancy. And, like, that's not what I want to do. I want to say I have lived it and I have conquered it. And now I am thriving. You are. You are. If anyone is, you are. So thank you for sharing your story. You're welcome. That was really neat. I am sure that a lot of people are going to be surprised that might not know you. (laughs) Yes. Um, I've actually – I've never sat down and told – told my whole story at one time well we're honored very heavy (laughs) it's heavy but it's real yeah that's what happened and honestly like we've talked about before together the more that we share those real stories the more that people get to share their stories and feel comfortable knowing that hey this is it this these are the facts and you wouldn't be you today if you hadn't gone through those no matter how hard it is because lord knows we know Mm -hmm. it was hard thank you for sharing um, I think that's where we'll finish our first episode. Perfect. And we, our hopes is that from here on out, we'll have um, a new woman with us each time to share her story like you just did and to tell us about her trials and how she was victorious or how it's even still money. Mm-hmm. Who even knows? Um, but from here on out, we will see. We'll take it as it comes. As for now, we'll see everyone next time. All right. <laughs>